Hello, and welcome to Liberate Your Soul, a podcast designed to quiet the inner imposter, awaken you to truths known within all of us, so that you can discover your purpose, heal heart wounds, and find where you fit in to feel whole and allow you to make positive, lasting impact on the world. I'm your host, Kelly Pierce, a certified business and personal coach. I help top performers find their authentic selves in order to come from a confident decision-making place. As a fellow seeker, I have found that liberating the soul enables anyone to transition from anxiety to acceptance. It is my hope to provide you with inspiration and tools to help you feel confident, joyful, and loved. To learn more or to connect with me, go to www.quantumhighways.com. Hello and welcome back to Liberate Your Soul. I'm your host, Kelly Pierce, and I'm super excited to talk about today's topic. I feel like it's more relevant than ever as there's added social media platforms, as there's even more ways to connect with people and just get in touch with people from all over the globe, hear what they have to say, and it just feels like there's so much noise out there. Today we're going to talk about compare-itis. Comparison is the thief of joy, Theodore Roosevelt once said. You might have found yourself a time or two scrolling through social media, looking at Suzy Q's perfect life or the muscles on Suzy Q's husband and just been like, damn, I wish I could have that. But before social media, there was just this saying um, about how people present this perfect life of what they're supposed to be. And it was way, way, way before this time. You might not even know this term if you're younger. It's called keeping up with the Joneses. And that was when people would always try to have the newest cars, the best house, still having those beautiful clothes and their perfectly presentable children, all that amazing stuff. It's basically having the appearance of success to quell any feelings of inadequacy that you might feel, any feelings of inferiority or insecurity that might bubble up, that feeling of not enoughness when you see somebody who has it all. I'm here to tell you that all that glitters is not gold, and we're going to really explore that comparitis, where it comes from, and give you some amazing tips and tricks on how to combat it, how to defeat it once and for all in your life. Because truly, I can tell you from my own personal life, I have um, conquered it. I don't have an urge or a feeling or even any compelling reason to compare my life to anyone else. I stay in my own lane and I love my life, the goods and the bads, the pretties and the uglies, and I just take it as it comes one day at a time. So let's talk about athletes for a minute. Athletes who perform amazingly well, the the elitists, the ones who we all look up to, the Tom Brady's, the Tiger Woods, all of the guys that are amazing. The the Wayne Gretzky's, all of those guys who are just so amazing at their craft, they might be really good at the top of their game, but after a while, it gets to feel so 
pressurized. There's a huge level of pressure to keep that level of success and do more, better, faster. In today's world, women need to feel like the airbrushed supermodels and the Botox, plastic surgery, all of those things that they go through to keep themselves looking young. Madonna, about five years ago, when she did a performance, there were people criticizing how her hands looked old. So she went and got surgery on her hands, rumor has it. So how sad is it that you can look fantastic and fit at 50, be fabulous, be dating, you know, boy toys that women are screaming and throwing themselves after, and your face is beautiful, your body is beautiful, but your hands look old and you feel awful about it. So you try to do something, you throw money after it and try to do something about it. So it's not all that it's cracked up to be. Botox. Let's talk about Botox for a minute. As a woman who does care about her appearance, I'm truly, you know, I do my best to take care of myself. I was at the salon one day and I was literally considering Botox and it contains botulism. It's poison. I considered it for a thick minute And I was talking to my husband when I got home and I'm like, well, it's only this much money and this girl was so nice and da 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 da. And he's like, honey, Google it going wrong. And I'm like, no, I don't wanna look at that. That's probably really gross. And he's like, you need to look at this picture. And he made me look at this picture and it was horrible. And certainly botulism is no joke if you've ever been sick with it or known someone like it's literally a deadly disease and you know it's poison why did I consider getting this horrible injection in my face it would have not just been one it was like many of them too they're like oh they're just these little tiny needles and they made it sound so easy and I'm like oh well that's not bad and it's not expensive and they look great They were even younger than me in my social circle, and they were feeling so happy and great looking, and I was like, great, but it's not okay. (sighs) People, it's not okay to compare yourself to other people because who you are is unique. I'm going to tell you a story of when I was in high school with my best friend. We used to run track together, and... We knew that when it was track season, we'd have to go out there on the track and run laps and run the miles and all of this stuff. And she was much taller than I am. She has a lot longer legs. I'm a short, short woman. And so she would be able to go a lot faster than me. But I was a distance runner. So she was a sprinter and I was a distance runner. And so we'd get started during track season. We were the only two... Uh, who would be out there on the track and we'd want to warm up. We'd do our warm-up lap together, which was a quarter mile, and we would have to do the um, mile that was timed, and she would say, eventually, I've got to go my pace. I want to see how fast I can go. See you out there. And I would sometimes feel kind of bad, like, man, I wish I could be as fast as she was. But I didn't necessarily feel like I needed to hold her back or like I wanted to be as good as her because we would keep in eye contact with each other and I would be cheering her on in my head from across the track, even when she would lap me, even from, you know, 
a quarter mile away, she'd be across the track and I'd see her and I'd be going, you know, I'd be running, she'd be running and we would just both be on the track together and that's what mattered more than anything else. I knew that she still loved me and I loved her and even though she was faster than me, I would keep going just to keep going and I would know in my heart that I was good, just as good as she was, just because she's faster than me doesn't mean that I'm not as good and my race was mine and hers was hers but we never stopped supporting each other during those times that it was time to go and see how fast we could be. We were beating ourselves. We were competing against ourselves. We weren't competing against each other. And sure enough, you know, our times would be done and she'd be resting over there and I'd run and I would, you know, continue and finish. And when it was time to do other races that were, you know, the 100 meter dash or the 300 meter dash or whatever it was, I would go for the longer distance and she would go for the sprints because that was her specialty. And the distance ones were mine. And I knew that I could, you know, keep going longer than some of the women who were um, going for the the sprints. So here we are over 20 years later, and she is the only friend from high school that I keep in touch with regularly. I love her with all of my heart and all of my soul. And that bond was built because we didn't compete with each other. We weren't jealous. We weren't trying to tear each other down, but we were constantly building each other up. And we still do that today. Our lives look very different, but we still have that deep and authentic, genuine love for each other. So how do we stop the jealousy, the comparison, the why aren't I good enough feelings that crop up when we see Susie Q's perfect life on Instagram? First of all, decide and know that you're unique. We all have different fingerprints, unique eye colors, skin tones, voice sounds, views and opinions, and they're all equally beautiful, perfect, and essential for the world to be functioning in the interesting way that it is. Wouldn't life be super boring if everybody was a computer software giant like Bill Gates? Or what if everybody had sales skills and was constantly trying to sell you stuff? It might feel that way with so many things coming at you these days, but rest assured the services and products behind the offers are often valid. They're legit ways that'll help you with things that you need. I recently did a live stream on my own social media account about unapologetically having multiple income streams and why it's important to support your friends in their online ventures, but I digress. Another way to beat comparitis is to remember that there are people on the path behind you. Remember when you started your journey in life? You didn't even know how to walk, let alone how to do all the things that you know how to do today. And tomorrow, you're going to know even more than you do today. We're constant learning machines, whether we like it or not. If you put your mind to good use, you'll allow yourself to learn. Number one, we're wired to look for things that hurt us and avoid them. Number two, we're wired to seek out things that make us feel good and move toward them. And number three, sometimes our wires get crossed and we become hyper aware of the things that make us feel bad about ourselves. And when this happens, we go down that rabbit hole of self-pity. Nothing brings us joy anymore because our accomplishments aren't even about us. They're just an attempt to compare to others and we don't feel good enough. This brings me back to number one. 
which is your accomplishments are going to be unique. Not just you are unique. Somewhere, someone is going to look at what you did and feel envious. The person who did the massive thing that you wish you had, they might have another area of their life where they feel that they are lacking in what you take for granted. Perhaps a super successful career woman goes home to an empty apartment without plants or even a goldfish because she's on the road all the time and she believes she's unlucky in love. The person with a perfect husband and 2.5 kids, they might have a distant relationship at home and a secret addiction that's happening in their household and they cover things up in excessive selfies with their kids and a shopping habit. God gives us all dreams, talents, and paths to get to where we're going that are individually tailored to us. If we got the same lives as a person near us, we would probably want to cry or trade it back for what we had in the first place after a week. So the original social comparison theory was developed way back in 1954 by Leon Festinger. Social comparison theory says that we determine our own self-worth based on how we compare to other people, leading us to constantly evaluate ourselves across various aspects of personal and social life. Whether it's our looks, our wealth, our success, or whatever that might be. There's both an upward and a downward comparison, some that makes us feel good and some that makes us feel bad. When we see our friends and our acquaintances' lives on display on social media constantly, we can measure our reaction and our tendencies to comparitis by how we feel. So you might see somebody and think, oh, I'm doing way better than her. Or you might think, I wish I had her life. She's so poised and put together. So based on this, Leon Festinger, he put together nine hypotheses to show that humans compare themselves to others in order to inform their circumstances, reduce uncertainties, and define themselves. It's not how to define yourself about how you're doing in society. It's giving yourself a definition based on external circumstances. So the first thing he says is that humans need to evaluate their needs and abilities objectively. So they really don't look to a sliding scale. But if there's no objective means available, people evaluate themselves in comparison to other people in their surroundings. So you're going to look around based on Festinger's hypotheses. They're going to look around to what's near them. He's looking at the tendency to compare oneself to another person, that it decreases as the difference between their opinions and abilities become more divergent. So this this part, in other words, if somebody's a lot different than you, you're less likely to compare yourself to that other person. And we can see that in the world today, like with politics. So you might be a Republican and see a Democrat and say, oh, I'm nothing like them, so I can't really compare my thoughts and feelings and life to them because we have nothing in common. You just be dismissive and vice versa. Festinger, again, next hypothesized that there's a unidirectional drive upward in the case of abilities. Basically, it's placed on doing better and better. So you always want to be in the direction of improving in your life, doing better. He says that there's non-social restraints that make it difficult or impossible to change one's ability, and these restraints are largely absent for opinions. 
In other words, people can change their opinions when they want, but no matter how motivated individuals may be to improve their ability, there may be other elements that make this impossible. So he goes on to say that the stopping comparison with others is accompanied by hostility or derogation to the extent that continued comparison with those persons implies unpleasant consequences. So if you keep comparing yourself to other people, you're going to keep being unhappy, basically. So, And if you are stopping, you're going to feel hostile about it. You're going to be like, well, geez, you know, I'm not as good as you, I guess, right? And so you're going you're gonna to feel bad. He next says that if a group of people's opinion seems more important, their perceptions are deemed more valid. And the scientific way that he says it, that any factors that increase the importance of some particular group as a comparison group from some particular opinion or ability will increase the pressure toward uniformity concerning that ability or opinion within that group. So if discrepancies arise between the evaluator and comparison group, there's a tendency to reduce the divergence by either attempting to persuade others or changing their personal views to attain uniformity. However, the importance, relevance, and attraction to a comparison group that affects the original motivation for comparison mediates the pressures towards uniformity. It's kind of like high school. (laughs) A person's going to want to... They perceive that the cool kids are awesome, that they are more important, that they're special somehow, they have an increased importance, and they're going to have increased pressure towards uniformity. They are going to always try to either persuade them to see them in some way. They're going to have this self-concept that they want to fit in. or they're going to change their personal views to fit more in with the cool kids. They're going to have that peer pressure to go with what is uh, considered good, right? And you can see it play out on social media today. It's so sad when you see somebody make a comment that's a little bit out of skew with what the kind of overall tonality of a group is. If you're in any Facebook groups or um, Instagram, like if you comment on somebody who's super popular and some, it's like a group of chickens when they have a, a one chicken with, you know, a feather pulled out or something, they all just jump on it and they, they're just super cruel. And it's like, they just beat down this one you know, person with a thought that's outside of the norm of the standards of what the normal society would think. And it's not necessarily always right. Um, I was talking with one of my girlfriends today and I said, you know, this woman is, uh, she said, oh, why did this woman say that? And I said, well, she's walking with both feet in the world. <laughs> she's not really like everyone else in this group. She's just walking with both feet in the world. And my girlfriend knew exactly what I meant. I said, she's extremely confident and walking with both feet in the world. And she just laughed and she's like, oh, I get it. And for those of you, my friends and fellow listeners who are empaths and who kind of, oh, holistically airy-fairy, really... um know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. If you know, you know. So Festinger's next hypothesis states that if persons who are very different from one's own opinion or ability, they're perceived as different from oneself on the attributes, they're consistent with the 
divergence, the tendency to narrow the range of comparability becomes stronger. Again, we see this playing out in society so much. If you are different than me, I'm just going to stop comparing. I'm just going to stop the narrow, I'm narrowing that range of comparability. I'm like, seriously, I can't see how I'm even anything like you. Um, unfollow. <laughs> right? And that's okay. It's totally okay. You don't need to compare yourself to people who you have nothing in common with. That's what I was saying before. You're totally unique. You don't need to do that. The last thing that he hypothesized in this original 1954, um, when humans are comparing themselves in order to inform their circumstances, reduce their uncertainties, and define themselves, is that when there's a range of opinion or ability in the group, the relative strength of the three manifestations of pressures towards uniformity in order, in other words, like going with the group, right? They're going to be different for those who are close to the mode of the group than for those who are distant from the mode. So those close to the mode will have stronger tendencies to change the position of others, weaker tendencies to narrow the range of comparison, and even weaker tendencies to change their own opinions. Go with the grain, people. <laughs> it's like, you either like go against the grain, you're going to leave the group, or you're going to stay in the group and be more persuasive. So in today's world of fitting in, where we are all told to be unique, I think the most logical thing to do would be to stand out as uniquely as you can be, to stand up as who you are and be celebrated for your own unique opinions, validate your dreams, your desires, your skills and talents, and use any envy that you feel from someone else as inspiration to reach for your own goals to make them a reality. You can see what's not satisfactory in your life that is making you think that someone else's life is going to satisfy you and then move toward that. That is what is really going to make you happy because typically if you're unsatisfied in your life, you're going to be looking for other things that are going to satisfy you. It's not really necessarily that person's life or dreams or accomplishments that's going to make you happy. It's the having of something that's making you happy, that's truly in alignment and aligned with you and what you have going on that's going to make you happy and satisfied. So I'm really going to give you some super practical tips. Um, I thought it was really fascinating that it was like 1954 that this gentleman gave the scientific uh, hypotheses that went into like basically group think, right? And everybody in the group, if you're aligned with them, their opinion's going to have more weight. If you're not aligned with them, you're not going to compare yourself with them. And it's basically everybody trying to give themselves, uh, making themselves feel, um, defined that they're going to be able to give themselves some sort of a self-realization or a self-actualization. And it's really all based in thought, right? As a life coach, as a business coach, my own self-concept, my own construct of self, I really need to do a lot of thought work based on who I am. And whenever I'm feeling less than or I feel like I am unable to do something, I need to dive a little deeper into those thoughts that go into, well, who am I to think this? And I have to sit back and go, 
who am I to do this? Who am I not to do this? Like I am, I have people who are waiting for me. I know that I need to show up and serve in my highest purpose, in my highest self, because I have this knowledge. I have the ability to go out there and speak freely and have no shame and be able to give the knowledge of my life's experiences and accepting who I am, warts and all, right? Being able to, to accept who I am, the good and the bad, and um, not rely on some group of people or some somebody on social media who says I should be this way or I should dress this way or I should you know, laugh this way or talk this way or whatever it is, that would be ridiculous for me to think that that is appropriate in my service to my clients. So the first thing I'm going to suggest you do is that you write down a list of everything that you love about yourself, the qualities that you've been complimented on. If you can't think of anything, think about the compliments that you've been paid. Think about the things that you're proud of, whether it's your ability to command a room, whether it's that you're empathetic or that you sing really, really great in the shower. Own your badassery and step into the version of you that is a great father, a great sister, an aunt, a gift giver, that you're really thoughtful when you're picking out things, that people love what you do, that you're a lover of dogs, that you're an appreciator of nature, a speaker of truth, or whatever it is that makes you, you. Next, write down a list of things in your life that you're grateful for. Don't keep the list confined to the things in your life that you own. Write out experiences that you have had that only you could have gone through with people that you've loved, people who have passed on, people that you still love who are in your life today. Write out the times that you've been most proud of yourself, the times when you've overcome challenges even when you didn't think that you could, times when you've met some amazing goals. Don't set a timer for this one. Maybe just get a journal that you can continue to add to as the memories and thoughts strike you. You can include the awesome collections and purchases on here too, but don't be afraid to think outside the box and add things like sunshine on a lazy morning or cats purring that wake you up nose to nose, a good stretch after a satisfying run. All those types of things that you are just grateful for, experiences. And of course, my kitty cat just sneezed, reminding me that he is always with me. (laughs) Write down what comparison has done for you lately. What have you done for me lately, comparison? Seriously, it can be on a separate sheet of paper, but write out what you have ever gained from comparing your life to someone else's. On an emotional level, what has it gotten you in life? How has it enhanced your relationships? Ponder it and see what you have received. Is it joy? Yeah, no, I didn't think so. Teddy Roosevelt was onto something when he said that comparison is the thief of joy. Set down your phone. There are ways to manually enter time limits for social media or screen time on your phone so that you don't mindlessly spend too much time scrolling. You can unfollow people who make you feel bad if they're outwardly bragging or if they're doing the humble brag. 
If you really don't like them and you really just feel ucky, you can unfriend them, completely get them out of your life, block them, or if you seriously don't use social media for anything other than beating the crap out of yourself mentally, consider signing out for a week or so in preparation to delete your account. Dun, 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 like maximum drama here. Get radical with yourself and your time. You get one life and you get to decide how you spend it. You don't want it to be resenting people behind a screen. Wouldn't you rather be out there creating a life that you love? I know for myself that comparison is a thing of the past. I realize and recognize that we are all people living lives with struggles and conquests, that we're all on the path to somewhere in different places along the way. Just like with my bestie, we're in different lanes at different points, going different speeds at different strides, and we'll end up finishing way differently. There's no right or wrong. It's my sincere hope to make a positive impact on the lives that I touch within my sphere of influence while I'm here. I've always been on a personal mission to learn as much as I can, to be as good of a human as I can be, to overcome the things that tried to set me back early on, and to finish my race a good and faithful servant. I might be confident, but I am humble, and I love to help anyone who needs it. If you feel like you might need some help overcoming this or any other hurdle in your life, I'd love to see if we're a good fit. You can reach out to me to discover how to work with me by email at info at quantumhighways.com or you will find a link down at the show notes on how to book with me. I sure hope this is helpful for you. It would mean the world to me if you do reach out to me and let me know how these activities go for you. There's only one you. You're priceless. You're unique. You have big things to do here. You're so so worthy until next time take care